So did you get it? Did you get that perfect gift for that loved one on your shopping list this year? Oh, you probably weren't, you know, trampling over people at the stores on Black Friday this year. Maybe you were just clicking away on Amazon or, or some other website. And, but did you get the perfect gift? You know what I'm talking about. The one that addresses your loved one's needs or wants just, you know, so precisely. Uh, the one that makes you look like a hero because it was so well thought out. The one that makes, guys, if you got the perfect gift for your wife, this is the one that makes every other wife out there jab her husband in the rib and say, why can't you be more like him and, and, and get such wonderful gifts? Did you get the perfect gift? Today, we start a worship series, and I invite you to join us every week between now and Christmas, including Christmas Eve. A worship series called Every Good and Perfect Gift. And I, I think we have a handle on, on good. I'm not so sure we have a handle on the word perfect. A perfect is one of James's favorite words. It, it shows up in, per, per word more often in James than any other book of the Bible. Uh, but, but that word perfect, like I said, we, we, maybe, we maybe use it in multiple ways. Uh, we, we use it as well, before we talk about the word, I should probably get back up in here and say, who's James? Uh, James, yeah, he's the writer of, of the, one of these last books of the Bible, but there's multiple James in the Bible. There, in fact, there's two disciples named James. This isn't either one of them. Uh, this James was a half-brother of Jesus. Uh, when Jesus was preaching and teaching, James really had nothing to do uh, with his half-brother. He wanted nothing to do with it, didn't believe him at all. Uh, but after Jesus rose, uh, James comes to faith. And he becomes actually the leader of the flagship church of Jerusalem. And so kind of an important guy, people listen when he speaks. And when he writes this letter, he's writing this as a general letter to the, to the believers that are scattered throughout the empire. Understanding that this is going to be a traveling letter, he doesn't get too specific in his letter. It's more general in nature, which I actually appreciate because here we are. 2,000 years later, if it's a general letter, maybe it's easier for us to make specific applications uh, to our own lives. If you had to say a general theme of James is that, that um, is, well, he, he couldn't stand it when people cheapened grace. And so a general theme is real faith for real life. He hated phony faith, where you say you're a Christian, but you don't act like it. So he spends a whole lot of time talking about your, your faith life should show itself in the way you live. And, and maybe that's something that you and I need to hear as Christians. It's so easy for us to just focus on everything that Jesus has done for us, which is awesome. But it's, we can say, well, if Jesus did everything, then I don't need to do anything. I don't need to do anything to earn heaven. That's true. But God says throughout his word, no, but I, you will. I want you to, to do good works. I want you to live for me. And that, that really becomes the, the main point of James. It's James who says, faith, for example, faith without works is dead. Now, understand, he's writing to believers. So he's, he, he knows these people know that Jesus is their Savior. So he can stress more our response. And unfortunately, I think James gets a bad rap once in a while because he's talked so much about what we should do that, that people kind of discard his, his book. Now, just because he stresses good works doesn't mean he doesn't have some beautiful, comforting truths about what God has done for us. And, and oftentimes that centers around this word perfect. Like I said, that word perfect is an interesting word. That's what we're going to focus in on today. 
I, I think we often use that word perfect as a synonym for holy. Without sin. You think of what the Bible says. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Be without sin like your heavenly father is without sin. But there's another way that we can use that word perfect. And this is how James uses it here. Is that he is saying uh, that, that word perfect can also be used as a synonym for holy. Not this time with an H but with a WH. Something that makes us complete. Something that fixes our brokenness. You think of a, of a perfect circle where you can't see where it begins or it ends. It's just whole. And, and that's, that's what James is talking about here. That he is talking about the gifts that God gives to us that are going to make us whole. That are going to fix our brokenness. And so that, that's really my prayer uh, for you today. That, that as, as we look at these words from James, which he uses to mend, to fix the brokenness of his listeners, that God would use these as just another stitch to mend our own brokenness. Which I think is so fitting for us, because I, I don't think I'm going out on a limb here. Aren't many of us broken today? You know, just coming out of Thanksgiving, we maybe felt like our feasts were just a bit fractured. Or we feel like we're limping our way to the finish line of 2020. And so I pray these words are used just as, as God intended them to be, and that is to fix our brokenness. And, and the way that James goes about that, especially in his introduction, he, he has maybe three parts to his introduction. Uh, chapter 1, first of all, he says, if, if we're going to be made whole, if we're going to be fixed, uh, one thing that has to happen is just a mind shift. The way that we look at bad things that happen in our life, understand this, that bad isn't always bad. In fact, he says, consider it a pure joy uh, when you suffer trials, because what do trials do? They produce good things. They produce good things like perseverance. And then he goes on to a second point uh, where he says, maybe this is a sub-point of number one, but he says, let's talk about poverty. You know, so much of life is about riches and wealth and acquiring wealth and riches. He says, no, count your blessings if you don't have that, because what happens to riches is that pff, they often just fly away. And then he gets into the third point, which is what we're going to look at a little bit more closely today. And he says, uh, he starts off his third point by talking about temptation. He says, you know what, uh, you maybe think that God tempts you. And we get mad at God and say, oh God, why did you put this in my life? I'm tempted to sin. Why are you, why are you luring me away? And he says, no, I, I assure you, God never tempts anyone to sin. Rather, this is where he gets to our key verse that we'll be looking at, rather every good and perfect gift comes from God. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Or the translation we're going to be looking at today is this one. Every good act of giving and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the lights, who does not change or shift like a shadow. The way I, the reason why I love this translation, which is a, it's accurate, uh, but it, it really makes a distinction between the act of giving and the gift itself. And it says here again, every good act of giving is from above. Uh, maybe the best way for us to to think about the good act of giving is think about how how children often will give gifts to parents or grandparents or their friends. Maybe they're doing this right now. Well, they will lock themselves into their room for days or weeks on it, just crafting that masterpiece, whether it's an ornament or a trivet or something for mom or dad. And they will spend all this time in there and, and, and they'll be cutting away and, and they'll have frayed edges and they'll be wrapping that gift and with more tape than paper. But they are so excited to give that gift to mom or to dad 
And by the time they give that gift to you on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, does it really matter what the gift looks like at that point? No. In fact, I, I, if I'm a betting man, I would say that gift is going to be hideous. But to you, it will be beautiful. Because the act of giving is good. And that's what James is saying here. He says, do you understand that God's act of giving is always good? He never gives in such a way that he's reluctant. He never gives in such a way where he's counting the cost. And maybe that's where I, I think you and I struggle once in a while. Oh, man, you almost get guilted into buying gifts for somebody else. I don't want to spend this money, but okay, I will. God never does that. never counts the cost. God never just buys something for us or gives us something because he got a good deal on it or because it was on sale. But no, his giving is always pure. His giving is always good. And not only is his, this is what makes God so awesome, not only is his, is his heart, his, his act of giving good, the gift, the gift is perfect. Every perfect gift is from above. Every gift that is used for mending our brokenness, every gift of healing, every gift of, of fixing our lives, is from above. Now there's two, there's a couple takeaways from this, this passage here that I, I want to take, you know, or take a little more time on, is that, first of all, uh, to understand that everything that heals us is from above. Why do we need to hear that? Because I think so often we look, when we're broken, when we're hurting, we look everywhere else first. We look to our wealth, we look to our health, we look to our friends, we look to our family. All those are blessings. Blessings maybe that we even vocalized on Thanksgiving as we, as we run around the table and said, hey, what are you thankful for this year? Those are blessings. Thank God for those blessings. But understand they aren't the source of your blessings. There is only one source who can heal our hearts. There is only one source who can mend our and fix our brokenness, and that is what it says here, every good and perfect gift, every gift that makes us complete, every gift that makes us whole is from above. God, God is the source of every one of those gifts. So that's, that's, that's takeaway number one, that God is the source of every perfect gift. God is the source of every mending gift, okay? That's point number one. And second point, just it, it's subtly different, so I'll maybe repeat myself here. But not only is God the source of every gift, we also understand, though, that every gift, every gift that God gives is perfect. Understand what I'm saying? So first of all, every God is the source of every gift, but now we're talking about the gifts that we get from Every one of those gifts that we get from God is perfect. Every one of those gifts that God gives is meant to make us whole, is meant to fix our brokenness. And that is an important point and comforting point for us too because that's something we need to be reminded of. It's so easy for us sometimes to just get frustrated with the gifts that God gives to us and shake our finger at Him. Why'd you do that? You know, why'd you put that person into my life? Why'd you allow this situation to happen? Or, or why'd you, you know, seemingly put me in this situation where I, where I, I fail? 
And, and we, maybe we can't always answer specifically why this happened or why that happened. But what God assures us here, what James assures us here, is that every gift that God gives to us is perfect. Every gift that God gives to us is meant to make us whole, is meant to fix our brokenness. Now, it's easy. Why should we believe James when he says this? I mean, it's easy to put that down on paper, but I don't, I don't always see that in my life. Well, well, James explains why we can believe that is true. Because look at who he says these gifts come from. They don't just, they don't just come to us randomly. He says these, are, these gifts that, that God sends to us, they are coming down, look what it says here, from the Father of the lights. The Father of the heavenly lights. Throughout history, throughout the Bible, you've maybe done this yourself where you're just so frustrated you're hurting, you're feeling broken, what do you do? You walk outside and you just look up at the stars and go, oh, why? What's happening? I think of childless Abraham. Looked up at the stars. You think of, you think of, uh, of, of Job, suffering Job. He looked up at the stars. Uh, the psalmists, uh, again and again, they talk about how they just look up at the stars. And like I said, you've probably done it. Disney even recognizes that. Wasn't it uh, Geppetto and Pinocchio, right? He, he wished upon a star. And Jiminy Cricket breaks it out into song and says, when you wish upon a star, your dreams will come true. Maybe for Disney. <clears throat> Maybe for a cartoon. But when you look up at the stars... We're not just wishing upon a star. James assures us here. We're, we're, we're putting our hopes in someone who's above the stars, the father of those lights, someone who's more powerful, more enlightening, more trustworthy. And, you know, and it, it's significant that he uses that term father Hey, he, James could have just written, you know what, when you're hurting, when you need, when you need a gift that's going to mend your brokenness, oh yeah, your, your gift comes from God above, or, or the Almighty sends you your gifts, the Creator sends your gifts, and those are, are, would, would all be accurate. But don't miss the beauty that he uses this term Father here. What does that assure us? It says that assures us that you have a relationship with this gift giver. You know, the gifts that you get, every good and perfect gift, is not just coming from some Amazon distribution center where a, an employee puts your gift into a packet and slaps a, a mailing label on it and it ends up on your doorstep. And this is from the Father of Heavenly Lights. You know, I never realized this before, and I never heard this before, but I agree with it in my study for this sermon. I, I came across this point that said, James seems to mimic the Sermon on the Mount in so many of his writings. And, and I, I believe it to be true. That's, a, that's an accurate assessment. Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking to who? He's talking to, to his disciples. People who already know what he has done for them. And he spends a whole lot of time and said, this is how you should live. There's a section in the Sermon on the Mount where he says, hey, look, look at the birds of the air, look at the fields. They don't worry about what to wear or what to eat. Neither should you, because your heavenly Father knows that you need them. That's, that's James' point here. As you think about the gifts that you need in your life, understand that your gifts 
don't just come randomly and they come from the Father. You have a relationship with the perfect gift giver. How beautiful is that? And then James doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, and he goes on to say, oh yeah, and by the way, this father, this father doesn't change. He doesn't shift like a shadow. That, that's a beautiful thought too, right? I, I think about how we get, give gifts. You know, once in a while we'll maybe hit a home run and we'll give that perfect gift to our loved one. But then we might, we might hit some slumps for a while. I know I just had to return my, one of my wife's gifts that I got her last year. It took me almost a whole year to return it. We don't always hit home runs with our gifts. God does. God doesn't change. God doesn't shift like, like a shadow. Um, he doesn't give us good gifts one minute, perfect gifts that are meant for our brokenness, that heal our brokenness one minute, and then give us gifts that are prank gifts the next. Or he doesn't give us gifts that are going to harm us the next. No. He's consistent. He doesn't change. He doesn't shift like a shadow. And, and where that becomes extremely comforting to us is when we look at the greatest gift, the most perfect gift that God ever gave to us. It's what we're going to be celebrating four weeks and three days from today. Many of you are going to be right here in this sanctuary or you're going to be watching online or maybe you're going to be in your own home or your own, or your own church. And you'll get to open that greatest gift. If you're able to join us for worship, too much, I don't want to give too much of a spoiler alert, but the key verse of that night is going to be Romans 8, verse 32, which, which says something like this. Hey, if, if God gave us, did not spare his own son in giving us that perfect gift, will he not graciously give us all things? That's what James wants you to realize. If your father can give you his own son to make us whole, to make our relationship with him whole again, to make that broken relationship mended through the blood of Jesus, you can have every confidence in the world as you know this truth, that every good and perfect gift comes from that same Father. Every good and perfect gift is coming your way. To Him be the glory. Amen.